number three, and I, I think we know where you're going to go with this one, is should someone with no experience start small to get their feet wet, start with single family or wholesaling and step into it? Hey, hey, before we get into this episode, I want to let you know that Blue Spruce has a 454 unit in Atlanta, Georgia. That market is booming. We're really excited about this particular property and we're excited to close it. We want to close it with you. So if you want to be a part of this deal, it is for accredited investors only. So there's two ways. If you're accredited, awesome. Let us know. And if you want to raise money, awesome. Let us know. We'll give you a slice of the general partnership and you bring in your investors. So without further ado, here is today's episode. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams. But today, I'm not your host. We have something completely different. So I hope you're in for a treat. I think this episode is going to be pretty dang valuable. So I hope you listen to it. Share it with a friend because I want to make sure that anybody who has these exact same questions that we're going to be covering today, I want to make sure that we answer their questions. So here's how this all went down. I've got Brandon Gatte on the episode right now. He's from Highlands Ranch, Colorado. We found each other originally on Rod Cleef's group, okay? Everybody knows I'm in a mastermind group with Rod Cleef, and uh, he asks me to hop on there and see if I can offer a little bit of value to other people that are there, um, and I get more value than ever by being on that group. So I would recommend that you go and find multifamily community, what is it called? What's his, how do you find his website? Do you remember? I should have had a uh, Facebook group is... I think it's no problem no problem yeah. just type in rod cleef look for the multifamily group with rod cleef you'll find it it is a great group and last i checked he had over twenty thousand members and oh boy yep. it grows faster than any other meetup group uh, and <laughs> my groups are meetup groups excuse me facebook group than i've ever seen so it would be a recommendation of mine I don't get paid to tell you that. He's just a friend of mine. Go to Rod Cleef's group. You'll get a lot of value out of it. So I'm with Brandon Gatte. And a while back, he had left a five-star rating and review on the podcast. And when I read his name back then, I said, Brandon Goot. And now I feel dumb because the uh, little line that goes over the E does not transfer in over iTunes. So... Brandon Gatte, forgive me. I'm glad to have you here. So we were at Rod Cleef's event in Chicago just a couple of months ago. And when we were at this event, you and I were talking, you had a bunch of questions and I don't remember whose idea it was, but we kind of said, what we should do is since today, Gatte doesn't have any doors. <laughs> so we decided that because he had a few questions on, you know, Adam Adams, how did you get to where you are? Because as we're recording this, I have about 800 doors with my name on them. And it, the question was, how did you do it? How did you do it so fast? And I thought, or maybe it was Brandon, one of us said, this would be a really good episode. Was that your idea? I think you actually came to me with it originally, but I did think it was an, an awesome idea and something that I would gain a ton of value from if I was just sitting out in the audience. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm excited to turn the reins over to you, Brandon. 
And we have 15 questions that Brandon came up with. And I only looked at these for the first time around five minutes ago, five to 10 minutes ago. I skimmed over them because I, I just wanted to not be thrown, uh, you know, I didn't want to look dumb in front of everybody. So I said, let me see these real fast. So I went over them. These are great questions, especially if today you have no doors to your name, you're going to want to go through this. So I'm turning over the reins. Mr. Brandon, ask me your questions, sir. Awesome. Well, thanks again for having me, Adam. I think this is a great idea. Uh, let's get started off with, uh, you know, we've talked a lot in the past episodes, or you have, about your story and the path you got here, uh, and you've done a lot of different things. What really made you uh, decide to settle in on multifamily real estate as the path you wanted to take? Great question. Why did I choose multifamily? The reason I chose multifamily is because shortly after my dad gave me a property and then made me pay him $100 for it because he wasn't, I, he, he said legally he couldn't just uh, gift it to me. I don't know why, but he knows the taxes and he just wouldn't let me have it for free. So he gave it to me for Christmas. And then he said, Adam, you've got to pay me a hundred bucks for that. And I was like, where am I going to come up with a hundred dollars? So I, I, I came up with the money. I think it took me like three weeks. And then a year or two later, somebody offered me money for that piece of land that I bought for a hundred dollars. And I ended up selling it for 12,000. My dad bought it for a hundred. He gave it to me and then he made me get, give him a hundred. So here, here I am. My dad netted nothing. He was, he was a wholesaler, but the worst kind. And then I uh, was able to sell it on, just because someone reached out to me. And then that gave me the spark for real estate. That just made me say, this is a powerful tool. And then the next step was, I'm dyslexic, Brandon. I don't know if you knew that. Nope. So I, my dad tried to get me to read this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad my entire life. Well, since it came out, he had the, he had the cash flow quadru- uh, game and he had this book and he kept asking me to read it. And I was like, dad, you know, I don't read. I don't read anything. I can't read. So finally, I, I sold this piece of land and made uh, whatever. Okay. So the total net was 10.8 after taxes and real estate commissions or after real estate commissions. It was 10.8. So I looked at that. I did the math and I think that was like a 13,000 return or something crazy. So I said, that's, this is powerful. I'm going to read that book. I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing this and I want to read that book. So it was not a hard book. So if somebody in listening never has read that book, I highly encourage you even for a Mm -hmm. dyslexic person. And this book changed my life. Brandon, when I read that, I found out through my own research and study that the way that Robert Kiyosaki made his multi-millions and got out of the rat race was because of specifically multifamily investing, syndications. He was doing this business and he never talked about it, but I found that out and I said, I'm going to have to learn multifamily. So that's really where it started. And my first step to multifamily was managing someone else's multifamily. So I started to make several phone calls until finally somebody said, yes, you can manage my property. You can come and live at the property and be the property manager. 
I was looking for one anyway. Just a side note, I reached out to dozens and dozens and dozens of people before somebody finally said yes. And I encourage any listener to do the same. Just because one or two or three or 12 people say, no, I'm not interested in having a stranger manage my property. Don't take no for an answer. Keep going for it. Anyway, I, I managed this property. We repositioned it in about a year, doubled my uh, the owner's money. Um, anyway, so that was a lot of fun and it got me into buying my own property. So that's pretty much the best answer I can have for what led me to real estate and specifically multifamily. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I don't know how many times you've heard, heard different people say that uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad was the, the kicker to getting them into real estate, but I don't know that I've heard many times it led them to multifamily. So that's, that's an awesome answer. All right, question number two. Yeah, so you've talked a lot and we, we hear it a lot in, in a lot of real estate investors podcasts and things that they, they talk about is the importance of mindset and having the right mindset to be successful. What was the biggest mindset shift that you had to make that's led you to be successful in this, this industry? Okay, this is a good question because I'll be honest, I believe that I have an advantage over other people, but that doesn't mean that I am necessarily going to be more successful than everybody. But so I'll, just to be completely honest, there's three things that I think people need to do to shift their mind. I just didn't have to do much of it. That's the real truth. I don't mean to sound like conceited or something like that. I just, I just know that naturally for me, if I want to do something, I push out every other thing. I don't let any other thing stand in my way. Um, so I didn't have a lot of trouble, but there's three things that I think the listener might want to consider on shifting their mind to come to a place where we are. And the first one is to partner with somebody else. The, the first thing is I understand that you might not have all the money. I understand that you might not have the, all of the management experience. And I understand if you might not be able to find a deal right now. Or I understand if you don't know how to raise the money, that's okay. You don't need to know any one thing the best position that you can be in is connecting the people that do so if you find a way to be the partner who says hey you are good at managing property they say yeah well i'm gonna go and find somebody who's good at finding a property and somebody who's good at funding a property if i do that do you want to manage it they'll say yes then you go and ask the person who's really good at raising money you're really good at raising money oh yeah but i just can't find a deal okay, well, what if I found the manager? What if I found the deal? Would you raise the money? The answer is yes. And then the same thing with the third person. You just find a way to insert yourself to allow people to come together. The next one I'd say is to think big. So most people uh, that I've talked to personally that are on the podcast, they have real trouble uh, being hung up over the millions or the hundreds. So when they see hundreds of doors, that seems overwhelming. And when they see multi-millions, for some reason, that seems overwhelming. And I'll be honest with you, it's just another two zeros. That's all it is from what you're already looking at. It, 
sounds ridiculous. It sounds like I'm saying something pretend, false, or that I'm just trying to inspire you. The real truth about it is thinking bigger, just adding those two zeros is just that. It's adding two zeros. It's not overwhelming. It is actually easier than you think. I now own hundreds, multi-hundreds of doors. I think, you know, when, the last time I told the listeners how many doors I had, it was about 100. And now I have, you know, almost about eight times that. And that's because I allow it to be easy for me. I allow it to be easy. I want it to be easy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. And then the biggest next mind shift change that you're going to need to make, and we're still on question number two, <laughs> the biggest other mind shift change that you're going to make is we're not investors. That's the real truth. We're entrepreneurs. We're running a business. Businesses have a marketing person. They have an admin person. They have all of these different parts and portions of a company to make a company run successfully. If you are thinking that you're an investor, I believe that you'll automatically be setting yourself up for failure. So that's the best answer that I can have to what's the biggest mind shift change that I had to make or that others need to make is you need to be partner. And the analogy that we have to partnering is there's so many people that are like, I don't want to share slices of this pie. I don't want to share any of this. So they go and they go and grab this tiny little grape and they're like, this is my grape. Nobody can have any piece of it. But as soon as you allow yourself to partner with other people and offer slices of pies, you're going to have a giant slice of a watermelon, which is way bigger than just one grape. And it'll be easier to manage because you have a team that's running a business. So think bigger, partner with other people, and run a business as an entrepreneur, not just a dabbler or an investor. Uh, that's, that's probably the best answer I've ever gotten to that question, so thank you. Uh, number three, and I, I think we know where you're gonna go with this one, is should someone with no experience start small to get their feet wet, start with single family or wholesaling and step into it? Okay, well this is a great question and I've got a short answer and there is cussing involved. So I'm just going to bleep it out and say, no, no, you shouldn't start small. You need to absolutely start bigger for a lot of reasons. Some of the best reasons are you need to get those watermelons and start slicing up the pie. You're going to have a lot of problems trying to manage two or three or four grapes at a time all by yourself. Grab that watermelon, your slice of a watermelon, you're going to have more. But when we actually look more into this, the larger deals have more uh, attractive qualities for passive investors. The larger deals have more attractive qualities for the banks. So when you understand that you're actually swimming downstream by going bigger, that's when you realize that doing a bunch of little single families or wholesales are not going to benefit you. No, that's, that's awesome. And I, I guess going right into the next question from that, you've got me convinced that uh, multifamily is the way to go. So as a, as a newbie, somebody with zero experience, what's the first steps I need to 
take to get started in this industry. Perfect. Well, education is important, honestly, for almost everybody out there. Having a quality mentor is very, very important. So that, that would be one of my, my first ones. And currently, while we're recording this in 2018, I, I am not an educator. I just, let me put that out there. I'm not an educator, but I'm still telling you, you have to definitely get educated somehow. There's a lot of ways to do that, but I prefer a mentor. I actually, there's two, when you asked what, for a newbie in multifamily, what do you need to get started? I actually have five answers. Okay, education, partner, raise money, find deal, invest money. Okay, these are the ways that you can get started. You need to have the education no matter what you're doing. And I'm sorry, and I get it that some people charge a lot for education, but this podcast right now is also helpful education and it's free. I'm not charging. Partner, this to me goes back to that grape versus the watermelon analogy but it also goes back to thinking of it as a business and not a, um, a hobby or investing, okay? So you need to actually have some partners, good people around you. Now, if you don't wanna start your own team, do what a lot of other people have done. They partner with teams that are already in place. And that goes to our third thing that I wanted to mention, which is raising money. So if you want to be a, raise, a money raiser, this is probably the absolute number one easiest. And I really do mean that. This is the easiest way you can partner with another team. All you have to do to raise money is let people know what's going on. Let them know the team that you're partnering with. And when you raise some capital, you're likely to be put on the general partnership for that deal. So ask for it. And Adam Adams lets other people raise money with me. It makes my life way, way easier. Although I think raising money is easy, I also think that having to focus on a lot of things is hard. So the more people that want to get into my deals, even if they don't have their own money, honestly, if they wanted to offer, hey, I could probably raise 50, 100, 200, 700, $2 million because I have this connection. That would be a phenomenally easy way to get involved. The fourth way is to find a deal. Everyone thinks this is the easy way. This is what I found out in all of my time going through and talking to people. And just in the last couple of months, I spoke in front of, holy shnikes, I've spoken in front of about a thousand people in the last... Uh, five weeks, which uh, surprises me because I used to be afraid of speaking. But anyway, when I get off of stage, generally people will come up to you. Whether you do a bad job or a good job, anyone who sees you on that stage, they're going to come and talk to you. And it just it, that's just what happens. And when they come up to me, I they ask me, hey, how can I join you? And I say, you can find me a deal or you can raise me money. And then they say, okay, well, I don't want to raise money because that's hard, so I'll just find you a deal. And I just look, look at them and I just say to myself, you are going to beat your head against the wall. If you think finding a deal is easy, I go through and I have my underwriter underwrite approximately 100 plus deals before we have one that actually makes sense when you really get into it. So finding a deal is not 
Not easy, but I will tell you this, you'll get more of the deal by finding a deal. If you raise money, you get maybe like a percent, okay? It depends on how much money you raise. If you, if you raise $3 million and the whole raise is $3 million, then you probably get 25 or 30%. But if you find a deal, you're already gonna get five to 10% just by finding a deal. And so I would love it if more people would just find us deals, but I just need to be completely honest with you. There's a lot of work and effort and time and knowledge that goes into finding a deal. And the fifth part of what a newbie could do to get into multifamily is invest their own money. So I am passively invested myself in 400 and something doors. I haven't put it all together. It's probably 430. Okay. I'm, act, I'm a passive investor in 400 and something doors. And that allows me to have some credibility. When I talk to a broker, I can say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm partnered in these 400 doors in DFW. And then they're like, oh, okay, okay. He knows what he's talking about. So that is a very, very easy way can, to kind of transition. And depending on the operator that you're investing your money with, they may be bringing you along and teaching you and almost kind of coaching you along the way if you ever have a question. But I would recommend that you try to have a little bit of education before you just invest your money because there's a few things that we should talk about. And those are normalized expenses. Those are reversion cap rate. And I'm just coming off the top of my head with a couple things that kind of are important that a newbie never would know to look for. Actually, a newbie might not even know what a reversion cap rate is. That means the cap rate in which you sell the property. So if you're going to invest your own money, you probably want to know what is a typical, honest, normal, and conservative underwriting for a reversion cap rate, the cap rate at which you sell the property. If you don't know that and an operator has like a three cap or a five cap on their pro forma, you might be looking like you're going to make 20% or even 100% on your money. But when you actually actually get into the deal and the property sells at an eight cap instead of a one cap, you're going to lose money. So this is just important to just have a good feeling, an idea of what typical underwriting is so that you know if the operator is being overly... Um, you know, thinking that they can do more, they can be more aggressive, or are they being conservative? And mm -hmm. the same thing with whatever the other idea that I had for something that's conservative, like a normalized expense. If you look at their pro forma and they're saying that there's a 20% expense ratio, they're saying we're bringing in a million and our expenses are 200,000. You should have an immediate red flag if it's not, if those expenses are not closer to half those expenses are probably gonna be around 500,000. So and any operator can make any property look really, really good by, manipul by manipulating those numbers. So you should invest your money into other people's deals. That's a great way to grow, but you should know a little bit about what you're doing so that you are, so that, that you know that you're safe and also pick a, an operator who you know is doing that. That's my best answer to the ways that a newbie can get into multi. Man, I think that was an incredible, incredible way to answer that. And then 
talking about reversion cap rates and looking at normalizing expenses, that's not something I've heard really dove into too much. And uh, I, I definitely some questions that I've asked at a couple of your previous events. So that's, I think that's incredible advice. Uh, well, let's say I've gotten that ex some, some education and I'm ready to dive in and find you a deal. But I live, I live in Denver, so we all know it's a pretty crazy market right now. Uh, definitely not finding anything that the numbers really seem like they'd work for me. So when you're looking at a separate market outside of your home state, are you looking at the property first and then vetting the market? Or are you looking for the market that makes sense and then finding properties there? Okay, I love this question. Out of, out of all the 15 questions, this is one of my favorites. Now, the reason why is because I have a philosophy and I know what other people have said and I know also what we're doing. And those are all different which is kind of interesting. So Brandon's asking, I'm in a, he's, he's in a really rough market. So he wants to know how is he going to find deals? Where are we going to find the deals? And, um, and there's people that say, look for the numbers and then analyze the market. And there's people that say, look for the market, dive deep, you know, go an inch wide and a mile deep. But I'll just be completely honest with you. I own around 800 doors and they are in five states. And actually some of those states, they're in multiple cities. So uh, they're in two different cities of, of uh, Missouri and two different cities of Texas. And oh my gosh, four different cities in Ohio so I'm really talking about having like 10 submarkets, and that's a lot of work guys. That's a lot of, lot of work to try to understand and nobody can claim to know all of those markets well enough to be honest, but that's the way we've done it. When we find numbers that make sense, the way we've done it is then analyze a market to see if that makes sense. I feel like the way we've been doing it is pretty much swimming upstream. It's too much energy exerted. And I'm not recommending it to other people. It's just that in this market, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fi find the deals fast enough if I'm only on one market. So we're casting a wide net. Doesn't mean I recommend it, but that's just what we've been doing. It's gotten us some doors and uh, the doors are performing well. So it works for us, but it also, there is a different way to approach it, which is Joe Fairless, the way he approaches it is he, everything he owns is in DFW, everything. He just, he owns, he's like the mayor of Dallas, right? <laughs> so yeah. yep. I love that because he's the first person, he's one of the first people that get a deal in his market. Mm -hmm. So because of that, he doesn't have to exert as much effort on finding the deal. Because once there's something ready, they'll just call them and let them know. So probably one of the best questions ever, but I don't have like the best answer for it. I just have an answer that says there's multiple ways to do this and you got to really pretty much figure out what works best for you. And the reason why kind of going a mile wide and an inch deep worked for us in the beginning was because I have a big team and that big team needs to continue to pull out some deals 
and it also allows us to spend more time in more areas because to be honest with you, I have, there's two or three people that focus a lot on bringing in the deal. There's an acquisition manager, there's a market analysis team, and then there's an underwriter. And because there's three different uh, people on this team and they're a full time because we, we actually have an office here and they're full time working all day, every day. Uh, it might be a 10 times easier for me and my team to look at multiple areas. So if you are, if you have, you know, like around 400,000 in your bank, you have a, a decent job, but, and it pays well, but you are actually full time. Then I, I almost think that it might be better for you to do something a hundred percent different than what my team has done, which is, is to focus in one place and only one place and know all the brokers because that's going to give you a be, uh, less of a headache. For my team, this is what gave us less of a headache. Um, so it, it depends. I think that's a great answer. And I love that you, you give both sides of the coin. And I love that you bring up Joe Fairless. I actually just, just finished reading his new book and he definitely talks about that. It's, it's kind of where that question came from, honestly. What does he say in his book? If you, if you can give me the short, I'm, I'm promoting his book right now also because, um, you know, I'm dyslexic. I haven't yet read it, but I've heard a lot about it from a lot of different people. And if I read, I, I would have read it already. I would have read the entire thing. I'll be honest. It sounds like the most comprehensive multifamily syndication book on the planet. It honestly sounds like that. And I trust him. He's spoken at our events. Uh, he's a friend of mine. I, I'm actually, I've been on his podcast. I'm coming on it again. I've advertised on his podcast. He's advertised on my podcast. I'm about to advertise an event that we're doing another event that we're doing on his podcast. So we're, I'm very close with Joe and his team, but I, what would you say is what he said was the answer when it comes to finding a market or finding a property first? So he, he says in his book, especially as, as somebody just starting out to, to really focus on one, maybe two markets and really understand it well, uh, know it better than anybody and, and really dive in first and then go after, after properties. Just like you said, tons, uh, tons of wisdom in that for sure. Yeah. And like you said, that, that book, uh, I, I've pretty much spent the last eight months, nine months as I really dove into this, just doing education, read tons of books. It is the most comprehensive of any apartment investing book I've read. I, I couldn't put it down. I finished it in like four days. Wow. I just couldn't stop reading it. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's impressive. It's good stuff. I recommend it to anybody. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Question number six, give it to yeah. me. So we take Joe Fairless's advice and we, we picked one market, uh, but it is a hot market. I'm a newbie. I'm not really able to, to go right to the top, top brokers in the area. What's the best way for a new guy to come in and, and find off market deals uh, rather than going to the brokers? I'll be hundred percent honest. I have no idea. I've never, <laughs> I've never tried to go direct to seller. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried to go direct to seller for s- seller on um, single family, but I've I've never performed well at this. I have performed well at branding myself, so that I'm attracting other people to who are good at these types of things to bring me deals. 
um, I've been able to reach out to brokers and let them know who we're partnering with so that they give us deals. But if you want somebody to share with you how to find off market deals, I'm not your right person. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the honesty and honestly, just what you said and really what I've taken from the first few answers to this question is, is partner with the people with the experience and that credibility and, and you'll get it from the brokers. So I've already taken away tons from this. So uh, let's see uh, with that. I think we might've just kind of answered it but as a, as a new investor, how do I make myself stand out to brokers or property managers in my market to get taken seriously? Awesome. Awesome. You know what? I think we skipped question number seven, which is cool. which team member should I have in place uh, first right. when beginning in a new market? And so that is a super good question. And I don't know how to answer that. To be honest with you, I don't know if you need a team members in place or not. Okay. Cause here's the thing. There's chicken, there's egg and there is, there is, ready fire aim and there's ready aim fire and i can't really give you the best answer to who who do you need on your team i think that you start to just be honest with people say what you're going to do how you want to do it and you want to slowly attract people to your team and and qualify and disqualify people from joining your team if they want to but i wouldn't be like i'm not going to start until i have my team in place i would kind of focus more on starting and slowly building a team while you're in the process. That's my best guess. Um, my best, that's what I did. And I, and that's what was successful for me. And honestly, I think that that's probably, uh, you know, unbiasedly what's going to be successful for others is to just, just start and start moving forward and your team will morph into what it needs to be, I believe, if you're open to it. There's, and if you're offering value to other people, you're going to start to build that team as you go. Team members that are important, at least in my opinion, are every team member that I have. I have a social media person. I have me who's kind of the face of the company. I have a CEO who makes all the decisions for the company. I've got an admin who does all the hard work and uh, tedious tasks in the company that I could never do. And I'm just so blessed to have such a great person working with us because there is a lot of effort in, involved into that. And then what else? <laughs> yeah. And then I have an underwriter and I've got a market research person. I've got several, honestly, I've got several people bringing us deals. I've got a few money raisers and like I could still raise that team. I have seven in the office every day, but I feel like I have a team of, you know, 30 or 40. So um, I'm not exaggerating. My team's probably like 30 or 40. And, and it's just because it's not like every single person works in my office. It's just that I'm willing to partner with 30 or 40 different people, depending on how we can help each other. Not selfishly, but just how can we help each other? All right, Brandon, we are going to get into question number eight, but I think we need to take a quick break. So we will be right back. Want daily interviews with real estate investors and none of the fluff? 
Go to bestevershow.com where Joe Fairless interviews daily real estate investors and entrepreneurs about their best advice ever. Go to bestevershow.com. And we're back. Thank you for your patience. All right, we got one last question. Then we're going to pop off and we will see you in a couple days. So question number eight. Brandon, give it to me, man. All right. So I'm a brand new investor. I found my market and I'm ready to dive in. How do I make myself stand out to brokers and property managers in that market to get taken seriously and start getting deal flow coming in? I love it. This is a specialty of mine. I like to stand out. I like to be unique. I like to do different things uh, than other people are, are focused on. So I am happy to answer this question. Um, there's three ways that I think that you can stand out, okay? Number one is you're going to have a hard time being taken seriously with no credibility, no experience, no doors. So the first way to stand out is to actually partner with somebody. So align yourself with somebody doing things in this business. Align yourself with them, work with them. This is going to give you an opportunity to have that credibility that you need to stand out for the broker. So partner. The next one is raising money first, okay? So we talked about this on, in another question. It's, it's almost deja vu because we were talking about how do you get into, involved? What's the, what's the thing that I would tell somebody new getting involved into this business? I would tell them these three things. And when I'm telling you how to stand out, you need these three things or one of them. So partner with somebody. Add the credibility of your team that you work with. Raise money first. So start raising money. Focus now. Don't look, worry about any other part of this whole business. Don't care about any of this business. This business is, like we talked about before, this business is a business. There is multiple hats. And you should not be wearing every single hat. That's just dumb. That is just dumb. That's true. You, you can, the easiest way is to just start raising money. Say something like this. Hi. Uh, well, you're not like hi because these are actually your friends. But you you say, hey, I just want to let you know that I am partnering with Adam Adams on multifamily deals. So right now, uh, Adam and his team are sitting at about 800 deals and I'm going to be involved on the next one. If you want to be involved with us and you want to put some money into these deals, I would love to sit down with you, show you our track record, show you what we've been doing. You've just inserted yourself on a team. And your only job is just to raise money. It's the easiest job that there is. It's easier than everything. Okay, so you can brand yourself to, to raise money in multiple ways. You can brand yourself through a podcast like I've got or a meetup group. Or you can just go and talk to your friends that you know that are accredited. Whatever it is, okay? But raising money first is a great way of you doing a, a, just a small part of this business, focusing on it, like when we were talking about going a mile deep and an inch wide, that is a way to, to do one thing, to do it well, to execute well, and you'll never be successful anyways trying to do, wear all of the hats if you're not good at run, raising money. That's just, that's a given. So if you want to put yourself out there, you can get on the GP by raising money for a deal that somebody else started, but it's your deal too. That's just a phenomenal way to do this, an easy way to do this. And then once you've raised money for, let's just say one, two or three deals or even four or five deals for one team or two teams out there that you really know and trust that the way that they're underwriting is appropriate. Well, you raise money 
and all you do is raise money for them. Now, when you have the the chance to go out and start to um, want to be taken seriously from brokers, now you own all these doors. And when you're working on your own, you already have some investors. A lot of people would give this argument. So let me just demolish the argument in the first place. But a lot of people would say, no, I couldn't raise money for your deal, Adam. Because if I raise money for your deal, then my investor is not going to have any money when I have my own deal. Well, just that's just small-minded thinking. That's the real truth is if you're thinking that way, you're, you're already not thinking of a team sport. And I already know that you won't be successful when you have your own deals because you're not going to grow because you're not going to give any of your pies away. You're probably not going to let other people raise money for you because you're like, oh, but I couldn't give them 25% of my deal. I, you know, it's just, it's just small-minded thinking. And if you're, you're backing yourself or painting yourself in a corner, learn how to raise money, learn how to raise money. Yes, raise it from your friends, the ones that you know. And yes, you're in that deal anyway, and it's benefiting you anyway. So if, you, if anyone had ever tried to argue if they should be raising money for deals, this is not a, I'm not saying this selfishly. Brandon, I hope you know that. I hope any listener knows that I, would, I wouldn't say anything for just me. Raise money because it benefits you, I promise. You don't even have to raise money for my team. If you know a team, you should still do this. I'm not, this is not a selfish thing for me to say. And then the last thing that I want to share with you, if a new investor wanted to get themselves a little bit of, uh, to kind of, what's the root of the question? Stand out. Stand out, yeah. Then they need to have deals. So they can either get the deals by partnering, get the deals by raising money, or get, they can start getting the deals because they were passive in somebody else's deal. And the bonus is to have a, have a thought leadership platform, podcast, uh, meetups, whatever. So with that said, we are going to end this episode, but questions nine through 15 are going to show up on the very next episode and it'll come out in just two days. So I will see you guys then. Brandon, thank you for being here and uh, we'll see you on the very next episode. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. This has been an awesome experience for me and I, I know I'm getting a ton of value, so I can't wait for the next episode. Awesome. Thank you for being here and we'll talk to you later. As always, thank you for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. This is Adam Adams with a reminder that any deal that we share on this podcast is for accredited investors only. However, if you want to raise money with us, you can always be a part of one of our deals. We do have that 400 plus unit that's in Atlanta, Georgia, just a hot, hot market that we're excited to be closing and I want you to close it with us. So if you want to raise money with us or if you're passive, you want to join and be a part of these 400 plus doors, would love to have you. And as always, leave us a five-star rating and review and get one of these happiness is passive cash flow mugs.